Welcome to Stacy on the Right here on Family Vision Media, familyvisionmedia.org. It's so good to be with you today. My guest is the senior editor of Hot Air, also the author of Going Right, fantastic book. You should get it. It's anywhere books are sold. We have Ed Morrissey joining us, and I'm so excited to have you here, Ed. Um, we were just reminiscing a little bit before we went live here about the last time we saw each other. We are AFP, Americans for Prosperity uh, conference junkies. We used to go to all of those things. And Ed would usually be speaking and I would be out amongst the folk learning, taking notes on my laptop. And now here we are so, so, so much later, but still pretty much doing the same stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, great to be with you, Stacey. And thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I do miss those. Um, I especially miss the, you know, sort of the freebies that you got going to those things. AFP, by the way, is a great organization. Love AFP. They do great work. They they actually go into communities and and do a lot of, you know, educational work, a lot of um, on-the-ground work. Um, both political parties could learn a lot from AFP in that sense. And um, it was always fun going to their conferences. It was. It was, it was not just the networking, but we were kind of like after – I'd say after a couple of them, we were like family because we would all bump into each other at CPAC and then we'd bump into each other um, at Defending the Dream. And so a lot of it was AFP, but there were a couple of like Freedom Works used to have things and we'd meet there too. And those were just kind of now that now that we're here, I can see those as the good old days because um, even though politics was still sharp back then, it was nothing like it is now. And speaking of which, you you uh, have some writing over at Hot Air and it's hotair.com. Now it's CNN, electric cars could wipe out this species. What is going on with these environmental nut jobs that now they're, I guess, no longer in love with the electric car? Or is it because they don't like Elon Musk? You know, it's a great question. And I actually, I was thinking about the Elon Musk thing. And I don't know that that's so much the issue, but it's interesting how quickly they turned on Elon Musk um, over his Saturday Night Live appearance. Um, but this started before that, right? In the New York Times on Thursday evening into Friday morning had a very long report on what it will take to to convert America to an electric car fleet. And what it's going to take is a whole lot of mining for lithium. And it's mining is a terribly destructive process. It's much more destructive than, say, drilling for oil. I mean, people don't realize how much earth you have to dig up to get to the lithium. And I was very surprised to see the New York Times actually cover this because we've been writing about this for years. You know, lithium has to be mined in, in, in massive quantities in order to build the batteries that you're going to need to do this. And it has to be ongoing because the batteries don't last forever. In fact, they fail faster than the rest of the car itself does. And um, there's all sorts of different issues with this. There's water pollution issues with this. There's land use issues with this. And today, CNN follows up the New York Times by saying, oh, and look, the one place they want to dig in Nevada is where they have this, you know, specific specific kind of buckwheat, and that's the only place it grows, apparently. And uh, this, and it might be a really important plant, and, you know, the electric car is going to make this species extinct. And I'm thinking to myself, what happened in the media to where they're actually covering this now? So um, I think one of the things that happened is, well, first of all, they don't like Elon Musk. And whenever they don't like someone that they used to like, they then go and try to discover everything about that person that they can talk about in a negative way. And Elon Musk is a very interesting person. You know, of course, just like all humans, he has his own personal flaws. But there's something interesting that happened. I think it was about a month ago around Easter. Um, there was a, a, a Tesla 
that was in a you know private residence and they invited a couple over to have dinner. And that night, the two men, the husbands, went out in the car and they put it on auto drive function and it did not negotiate the curve in the subdivision and ran into a tree and it burst into flames, killed both of the guys. And the flames were so white hot because it's lithium and the lithium was on fire. It took 32,000 gallons of water to put it out. Because lithium fires are not supposed to be put out with fire, uh, with a water, they're supposed to be put out with a foam, a special, it's a special thing that basically starves it, I guess, of oxygen, but water actually accelerates the lithium fire instead of putting it out. And so this was a big story and it went all over. I saw it on Zero Hedge and a bunch of different places. And what I noticed about it was everyone was reporting because the guys, both of them were very accomplished. One was a doctor, you know, they both had advanced educations. They were a little older, you know, so they were... Um, just just suburban people in one way, but in another way, I think because one of them was in education, if I'm not mistaken, um, it, it's like you know two of you, their own people, and in their minds, because they no longer like Elon Musk, Elon Musk killed them, and so you know with his with his battery powered car that they used to love, and so there there's the the issue is he's he's got some very interesting ideas. He doesn't seem to be as political as he seems to be common sense. So if he thinks something is common sense on the left, he's for it. If he thinks something is common sense on the right, he's for it because he doesn't see left, right. He sees that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. That used to be something that liberals love. Like Democrats used to love people like that because they were fire starters and they could flame anybody. But now they're very sensitive to being flamed because they have the Biden presidency and Kamala Harris and her laughing. There's a lot to be embarrassed about. So they need to take him down. And if they take down the electric car with him, well, so be it. Yeah, I think that's part of it. But I, I also think that um, that there is becoming sort of a um, almost a buyer's remorse. They've been talking about electric cars forever. And when there's a Republican in the White House, you know, it's an easy argument to make. Oh, we can convert to electric cars. It's so much more environmentally friendly. We can generate the electricity. But now that you've got somebody in the White House that's actually proposing this, um, and and Biden is, uh, all of a sudden, it's going to become more of a reality, and the people who have been warning about this for, for years and years and years, I mean, this is not new, uh, about several different aspects of this. I mean, the New York Times really only scratched the surface on this. All they talked about was mining lithium, which was bad enough. But then you've got the issue of, you know, where do you mine? And, you know, the NIMBY stuff that comes along with that. And if you don't mine, then you're, you're going to have to rely on foreign sources who are also going to have to mine. I mean, you're still damaging the environment. You're just not damaging it in your own backyard. But that makes us rely on, you know, foreign sources for our energy needs. Then, plus, how do you generate the electricity? I mean, <laughs> this is a simple calculation, right? If you're going to move all the cars onto the electric grid, where is all the power going to come from for, for charging this, especially in places like California, where they can't even meet the needs of people uh, as it is right now, because they're not generating enough power to to do this. I mean, there's all sorts of different things that start to tumble out of this. And now that it's become closer to being a reality, or at least a policy, I think that this is, all of a sudden, these issues are coming up now. Um, and belatedly, but at least it's a good, it's good that we're getting this uh, to unfold. Well, Ed, it sounds to me like what you're saying is it turns out that Democrats and leftists and anarchists and Antifa members and Black Lives Matter, they all still drive cars. So they want something viable that works. 
they're actually thinking, I need a car, I need a car that works. And this is coming on the heels of the Biden administration making announcements that they're partnering with Ford um, and, you know, so our major car maker to create a fleet of electric vehicles and to make electric vehicles much more commonplace and available to the public so that that process can begin where people begin to think of electric vehicles as the future, as something that they're eventually going to move into. My mom and I were on the phone for Mother's Day and we were joking around and my mom's a hardcore Democrat and we were laughing and she starts off, she says, everybody's talking about electric cars now, but I'm not going to ever have one. I said, oh, I know, mom, you'll never give up your BMW. She said, no, I won't. I said, I'm not giving mine up. I'll have the 2058 BMW X3 and it will be powered by fossil fuels. And my mom, who voted for Joe Biden, said, if I have to move to a state where I can pump gas in my front yard like they do in Florida, that's what I'll do because I will always have a gas-powered vehicle. And we just broke out laughing. I thought, my mom always agrees with whatever they propose, but she's not down with the electric car. And now you and I are talking about it. So um, when you see people who are as staunchly supportive of the Biden administration as someone like my mom and others, you know, who are are doing these stories, you know, CNN is basically PR number one for the Democrats, and they're doing stories, the New York Times. I mean, this is kind of astounding. It is astounding. I mean, the New York Times, I think, is the one that sort of launched this. Um, and and it's, it's actually a very good report. Again, like I said, it really only focuses narrowly on one issue, but that issue is very large, and so they do a pretty deep dive on it. Uh, they actually then followed it up with another article pointing back to the first article. So they're serious about about looking at this. And then you have, of course, you've got CNN that's doing the follow-up. And I think that, you know, the, what's interesting to me about this is that the New York Times really is sort of the progressive signal. It's the progressive beacon. Uh, if the New York Times is covering it, then suddenly all the other progressives are, are talking about it. And they're, they, set, they still set the agenda on the left. And so now you have CNN picking up on this, and I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing other media outlets starting to do their own drill down, maybe not into mining, but into the other aspects of this. And in truth, the most efficient way to power a car is still the internal combustion engine because it's you, you, you get the potential energy uh, that can be stored very easily and doesn't require disposal, and it, you use it when you need it. Uh, rather than having to have that energy production online all the time uh, to meet demand where it might be necessary. It's, it's much more scalable. The internal combustion engine for cars is much more, it's much more scalable, and it's much more efficient in terms of energy production. Uh, you're not burning coal. You know, you're not burning, um, you're not burning um, crude oil. It's being refined into something that's actually fairly... Um, uh, you know, it's a lot less toxic than it used to be, and there's still improvements being made. And so these are the types of things that um, that are going to factor into this. And I'm just surprised it's taken us this long to get to this point in talking about that. <laughs> well, I mean, I am, but I'm not. Because, Ed, you and I both know that we talk about whatever CNN, MSNBC, and the leftist overlords say we're going to talk about. Now, on the right, we, we have our own conversations. But speaking about what the whole country talks about, what they, what they talk about is what's on the Today Show. Um, and they have that kind of grip on the con- the national conversation. I, th- I also think it's it's... It's fascinating to me that liberals, leftists, whatever we're calling them, Democrats, don't recognize the the sheer amount of infrastructure that is present that supports 
fossil fuel powered everything. It's not just cars. I, the the most stark example of this is right now. You know, you have this uh, pipeline that has been uh, attacked in a in a hack, and so you have the whole eastern seaboard of the country that is getting oil from one pipeline that will take at least two weeks to reopen because uh, we had someone call into my uh, Sirius XM show last night and actually mentioned that he wor- has worked in the oil and gas industry for decades. And he says, the thing you don't realize about pipelines is, yeah, they paid the, the, the ransom. The, the hack has been removed, but the lines are pressurized in segments. So it takes days to pressurize, you know, huge segments of line because it covers miles and miles and miles. And it's not just because I always think of the pipeline as it's got gas running through it because I drive a car. But it also has JP8, you know, jet fuel. It has, you know, the, yeah. uh, whatever the JP18 or nine or whatever the ones they're using for the the uh, commercial aircraft, helicopters. And then, of course, um, we don't think about the the fuel that's used in the big trucks. Trucks also use fuel. The the ones that carry, you know, all of my fancy stuff that I like to buy at home goods. It comes on a big, huge 18 wheeler. Um, so they named off all the different kinds of fuel. And as I was thinking through it, I'm like, wow, this is this is a catastrophe. And so where do we get infrastructure like what we presently have? All of the people who are in school right now for some type of engineering that relates to energy production, where do we get that type of infrastructure for the lithium world that they're talking about from the mining to all of the engineering that's required, to all of the infrastructure that's required on the ground, in the ground, and the the businesses that are currently, they exist in a network that we don't, we just take it for granted. Well, and we take that for granted. We also take the electricity that flows through the uh, grid for granted, too. Most places do. California, they don't, because they have rolling brownouts and blackouts in California, because they don't produce enough. Um, and for the demand that they already have. And if you start transferring, you know, tens of millions of cars under the grid, uh, just in California alone, you're going to have rolling brownouts and blackouts all the time. And so, yeah, I mean, we take for granted the fact that we can get in the car and drive. Um, If we get to a point where we can't take that for granted, then people simply aren't going to come along. And, Stacey, your mom is right, and I would believe that the more that people learn about this, the more people are going to be uh, in, in, you know, in agreement with your mother, especially, and that includes a lot of people who voted for Biden in this last election. Well, I would imagine that it's going to be, it's going to transcend whoever you voted for in November, because Ed, all of us drive cars. Right. Right. <laughs> That's the beauty of this thing. I mean, I've yeah, been looking for a silver lining. Lives. It touches yeah. all of our lives, right? And that's, yeah. the, that's what the issue is, Stacey, is that it, it's going to touch all of our lives. And when you are, are messing with things that touch, your, touch people's lives, um, it's, you really risk a, a major backlash. You know, it's, it's one thing to have, you know, Black Lives Matter's protests. You mentioned this earlier. Uh, Black Lives Matter's protests in, in, in cities where it's primarily Democrats anyway. But if you start messing with the cars in the suburbs, you're really going to get a reaction to that. That's going to be an issue. Yeah, people who are Democrats because it makes you sound cool at cocktail parties, people who Democrat policies don't really impact because they live in suburbs and they work in academia or they're professionals, doctors, lawyers, they make enough money to be immune to Democratic policies. 
they will absolutely roil this country to the ground as they're beginning to do over education and the critical race theory teachings. Uh, I, I, again, last night had a woman on the show who she said, you and I don't agree politically. And I had no idea because I didn't even look her up. I just went to her website and I was like, oh, this website's fantastic. It catalogs all of the different instances and organizations that are working to fight critical race theory in schools. She said, we don't agree politically, but on this we are side by side, shoulder to shoulder. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I find at the local level, we can actually agree on a lot, regardless of politics. And I, if, if this is what it takes, Ed, for my mom to take a second look at what the Democrats are actually doing in America, if this is what it takes for people all over the country to kind of wake up out of their stupor and really look at what Democrats are doing, it will be the silver lining of Biden being the president of the United States, which is still something that gets stuck in the back of my throat when I try to say it. I'm working yeah. through that, Ed. I'm working through it. You're absolutely right, Stacey, and I think that it's, a, it's going to be a moment of clarity, and I think that that's what, that's what this country needs. Well, I can, I, I'm going to kind of kick myself for uh, letting it go this long since you and I have had a chat, but I put a link in the notes, the show notes for today's podcast to your podcast that you do over at Hot Air. Super fun people over there, like, uh, you know, one of our friends, Mr. Malcolm, I, who I love so much, Andrew Malcolm. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you guys are doing that. I'll take a listen. I encourage people to do that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Ed. I, I'm so grateful that we got a chance to talk, and I hope we talk again soon. Me too, Stacy. It's been way too long, and I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me on today. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us today. So it was great to have Ed on and reminisce a little bit about all of the fun we had back when we were doing Americans for Prosperity conferences and all of that. Um, but I want to add one more thing to the podcast today. Um, and I want to make a point about the Alliance for Shared Health that is, and they underwrite our work here at Family Vision. They underwrite the podcast, and I'm so glad that we have a partnership with them. One of the things that all of us are doing when we're participating in regular health insurance is we're in pools and under Obamacare, abortion is a covered expense. And so for us, you know, as we're doing things, as we're paying for things, as we're thinking about things as Christians, it is so important for us if we have an option. And especially if you're looking, I don't recommend people detach from their health insurance, you know, uh, willy nilly or, or make decisions, major decisions like that um, in a vacuum. But if you're looking, and especially if you're out on the exchange and you're thinking, how am I going to get health insurance for my family? Health sharing is a wonderful option. It's affordable and you will not be contributing to abortion, which I know for us as Christians, we are trying to get away from that. The federal government forces us to fund it through our taxes, but we don't want to. So ASH is a health share ministry. There are over 40,000 households right now. It's growing fast. And when you become a member, you share in the financial burden of healthcare expenses, including need sharing for critical illness, accidents, dental, and vision, which those are recent additions. So the company is expanding and growing to meet the needs of the members. You can access a virtual care provider. That's free. You can pick up your prescription at the pharmacy using a share prescription card. This is the same thing you're doing with your current health insurance if you have prescription coverage. And you can get lab imaging tests. The discounts there are up to 80%. So it's saving money, but it's also providing you with everything you currently have with your health insurance, except no funding of abortion. So you can get into this at any time. Open enrollment is 12 months out of the year for Alliance for Shared Health. You can reach out to them by going to familyvisionmedia.org or stacyontheright.com and click the banner ad that says Alliance for Shared Health. It takes you right over to a page with a video that has an explainer. Um, if you have any questions that you feel like I, I need a person to walk me through it, you can actually direct message me on my on my website 
we can get you someone to walk you through the process over the phone. They're very responsive. So let me know if you need that assistance. I want you to start saving today. It's the Alliance for Shared Health, changing healthcare, changing lives. So I love a good interview. Love catching up with friends. You can find out more at StaceyOnRight.com and FamilyVisionMedia.org. See you next time.